0: Welcome to the Speaking of Kids podcast.
1: Speaking of Kids is brought to you by Kids Centered. Kids Centered is a multidisciplinary center for children with special needs in their families in Massachusetts.
0: Actually, Avon, Wait, we serve families nationally and internationally too. Oh, that's right. <laughs> My name is Angela Gowens, and I'm a senior education advocate at Kids Centered. And you're a founder too. That's right, I am.
1: Um, My name is uh, Dr. Avon Derwin, and I'm a pediatric neuropsychologist.
0: What? Did you change your name, Dr. Miles Mason? I I did. We've been working together for 10 years, and now we're partners. And she knew me when I
1: was Dr. Miles Mason, so I still kind of go by that sometimes. Um, And now we're
0: partners. You might have had a parent-teacher conference, and your child's not grasping reading, writing, or math as easily as the other students. (gasps) or your child's been diagnosed with developmental delays and you need help navigating the school system, does your child need a new program? Um, sometimes there's also
1: other indicators of challenges. Sometimes children have trouble with social development or you might be seeing trouble with so, uh, self, Sorry, emotional regulation, um, difficulties with outbursts um, or anxiety, signs of depression. So there are lots of... Uh, reasons why kids are struggling.
0: Maybe the school is tested or your child has been diagnosed by a pediatrician and you want more information. When people are not sure what to do or you want clarity, there are a range of services. Yeah, there are a lot of things that you, services
1: you might want to seek out. Um, um, one, at being a neuropsychologist, one thing that you couldn't could pursue is a neuropsychological evaluation. Um, but you could also uh, seek out uh, support from an educational advocate. Or there are a lot of private services like tutoring or um, speech and language services or occupational therapy um, uh, or psychotherapy. There's a, a range of things that people often seek for their children. Even you're a neuropsychologist. Tell me about what you do. People, people come to um, a clinic for a neuropsychological evaluation for lots of different reasons. A lot of them I mentioned before. So you're struggling with attention, having difficulties with self-regulation, there are academic delays, and you want questions answered. Often you're curious about certain diagnoses. That's what a neuropsychological evaluation is designed to help you with. Is it like IQ testing? Yeah, so standardly, neuro uh, IQ testing is part of a neuropsychological evaluation, but it's so much more than an IQ test. An IQ test is, um, you know, intellectual quotient, um, and I kind of really bristle or don't really like that term because it, it, it. Often people think that means something very profound about their child, that this is the, this is their capacity and this is what they're capable of their life and to predict something very profound about their life. Like if it falls in the average range, this, is, this says something about what they can achieve or if it falls below average, it's this kind of very profound, again, a statement about what they're capable of doing. Um, basically, an IQ test is going to assess your ability in several different domains, but it is limited. It only gives you a certain, a limited amount of information. It also um, averages out your performance across a several different domains into one score. So often there's scatter in those scores and it's not really giving you enough information. A neuro, neuropsychological evaluation is testing your abilities over several different batteries in a much more comprehensive way. And what I would tell you is a neuropsychological um, evaluation is designed to tell you how your child thinks, learns, and processes information and emotions. Uh, and I'll give you an example. It's a it's paper and pencil test. And it is going to, um, so it's and it's going to assess all these different domains of cognitive functioning. So, in the verbal domain, it's going to ask you to reason with verbal information, your vocabulary knowledge, how you're able to put language together to um, express yourself, how you understand verbal information, your verbal memory, how much information you can hold in mind, can you follow verbal directions. Um, In other domains, how quickly can you process information? Do you process information at the same rate as your peers, or are you delayed? Is it slow? Will that affect you? Um, Your visual memory, your visual-spatial processing skills, can you um, see visual-spatial information well? How are your reasoning and problem-solving skills? Um, It's going to look at all of this information and give you a neurocognitive profile to say, how does your brain process information? and with that, what are your strengths? What are your cognitive strengths, and what are your areas of vulnerability? And so, how do parents use this? So, um, sorry, and I'll just m- mention one other thing: we're also looking at academic skills along with that um, and social emotional. So, what what you're doing once you get all of this information together is to say, here's your profile, and um, and based on this profile, sometimes there's a diagnosis that goes along with this profile, sometimes there isn't, but that's not the most important piece. The most important piece is to say, here's, here's how your child will learn best, here are um, su- suggestions to help them feel the best that they can, um, and here are things we can do to help them. So it's the recommendations that come out of the report and come out of the testing um, that we want. So the testing is not just to say, oh, look, you have this diagnosis or here's, here's your, your score. It's to say, what's your profile? And based on your profile, how, what do we recommend for you? What kind of services and interventions will help you the best, help you the most in school? Um, what accommodations might you, what might you need in school? And what kind of things can help you at home? What can be done at home? What do we recommend for you at home?
0: So even so, parents can use this and understand it and use it at school and use it in the home, right? So
1: after we do the neuropsychological evaluation, um, I have a a very in depth uh, hour long feedback. It often goes over an hour because it's very in depth um, conversation where I explain all of the the, the pieces. I just told you about where I'm talking about their neurocognitive profile, how they process information, how their emotional, their feelings, and um, how their social emotional regulation plays into um, their neurocognitive profile, um, and th- also talking about their academic skills and if there may be a learning disability at play as well. Um, so we discuss all of that information um, in any recommend any. And, and all the recommendations that come out of that profile. So we go over that information verbally, um, and that is really your roadmap. So after you do this testing, it's a big investment of time, um, and so it, you should get a comprehensive, you should get a very, very comprehensive profile of your child and what the, your child needs at this time. Um, and and when that happens, um, That's your roadmap. So we go over that verbally, and then about two weeks later, you get a very comprehensive written report. Um, It often takes a while to digest that because there's a lot of information in there. Um, And in the feedback, we go over kind of the most important points. So what are the most important take-home points? What are the pieces that are the most important to proceed to... to, um, to To um, pursue first, right? What are the what are the the, the biggest important take home points, and what are the the most important action items, and what can be what's for the future? What's what are the things to deal with in the future? That's a general process. That sounds like a lot. Yeah, I think it, it's very it is a lot for families. Um, and I would say this, and then talking to, talking to you, Angela, because this is often where we're we're coordinating. It is often a big process for families it's a lot of information to process and it's also quite emotional because you're you're learning information that is often extremely helpful but can be emotional as well because it often involves a diagnosis or information about areas of vulnerability and you have to kind of act on that information and navigate a challenging system so while i think it's a very beneficial process it's very beneficial for children it's also not quite it's not an easy road so i would say that this might be a good segue for me to talk to you about what you do. I often give this report to the family and then encourage the family to share this with the school. And sometimes I, I also suggest that they work with an advocate. And this, I think, would be the right time to say, what is an educational advocate? What do you do?
0: Yeah. So as an educational advocate, I have an extensive background in special education laws, disability laws, IEPs, and academic services. I help families understand the special education process. I provide them information about special education and help the family navigate, like seeking services or programming for their child. And I use your testing and your reports, the neuropsychological testing to, to help guide me in that process. It's to advocate for the child. Without your report, I don't have my roadmap to advocate for school services or outside of services.
1: So it sounds like you work closely with schools to find appropriate supports with the family and schools to find appropriate support. And this can often be a process. It's not something overnight. It's something you have to kind of work work toward. But do you
0: also work with parents in other ways to help guide them? Yeah. So I, I realized early on that families didn't just need me to help go to school meetings. They needed me to help guide them. I have three um, sons, two with disabilities, and the road is a different road than a typically developing kid. Um, It's often a lot bumpier. You don't know where to turn. There's not a lot of information out there for raising a child with special needs. So I really, when I started my practice as an advocate, realized very quickly I needed other skill sets. Um, And I sought out training to become um, a uh, family coach to help families Um, raise their children? Like, what are your priorities? Okay, let's work through that. Um, So I went through this family coaching certification program to better understand how to coach families outside of the education realm. And then I quickly also realized the skill set was mediation. Not necessarily the formal mediation of sitting down and being a mediator, but really how do you guide a conversation? How do you um, mediate and get your needs met? Um, So I did get my certification in Massachusetts as a mediator. And that helps me often negotiate with the school on behalf of the families for children's needs um and get children what they want and it's simply it's just a way to listen and speak and understand that all of this helps me also guide families through outside services extracurricular activities i do a lot of emotional parenting support i also have like a pretty ongoing relationship with a lot of my clients because this is just a different road in parenting. It's not one that's maybe your friend will understand or your coworker. It's one that's very unique. Your child is very unique. And I help guide them through the parenting process for their child.
1: So, what I'm hearing you talk about is the emotional impact of having a child that has developmental differences. And that's something also I see from the end of the neuropsychological evaluation that is, is difficult for, for parents and something that both of us as ha- having children with those profiles also see on the, the other end. Do you feel like that's a big part of your work? It's a huge
0: part of my work. Um, you know, for example, someone was called me just last week and we we're talking about how to tell a sports coach about their child's learning challenges and how to make it, to make that, experience, um, to accommodate that experience so that the, that the kid gets the best experience they can have. So for instance, this kiddo needed things kind of broken down, language broken down. Clearly you go right, you go over there, you stand over there, not all this other language. So this parent was trying to, I coach this parent through how to talk to the coach, how to explain what the child needs, and how to support their child through something that they really love, which was face football. So helping somebody that needs to,
1: to approach an activity differently, access that activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like that's not just in the classroom, um, but also in other enriching activities that we want all of our children to participate in. Yeah. So Angela, one other thing that we talk a lot about is when you're working with family children and families with developmental differences is we all want to fix the problem. We all want to make everything better. We want to do that for our own children, we want to do that for other people's children,
0: but it doesn't quite work that way. Right. We talk a lot about even and I talk a lot about this of fixing versus thriving. <laughs> We can't fix the child. And I had this tough conversation with this family last year where they came to me and they said, okay, we've given our daughter all this ADHD medication to the point that she was pretty sedated. And I said, well, why why would you do that? Well, the school is complaining that she's not learning to read as well as her peers. And I said, well, what are we, what are they doing about reading? And she was getting no reading services. So instead of looking at a child and saying, okay, this, this quick fix, we're going to give them meds. We're going to give them what, you know, a service and think it's like one and done. It's not. What we're here to do is help make children thrive, right? Avin?
1: Yeah. And I think we think about it as we want to individualize support and say, how do we help this child reach their, in their, achieve their personal best? What is the best that they can be? How did they thrive in their own personal best, their own
0: standards? That is really the goal. That's really interesting. Even I had, um, A student last year that I was working with and her family came to me. There were new clients and they came and said, okay, we've we've given her the maximum amount of ADHD medication. We have gotten her a tutor outside of school one day a week. And we just don't know how to fix her. And I paused and I was thinking, what are we what are we doing here? We're not fixing anything. There, she, nothing's wrong with her. She's not broken. And that's the way I think about all kids. They're not the there's no fix. We're here, you know, you and I, Avon, we've talked about this a lot. We're here to help families understand that their child's on their own journey. And our job is to help you as families, Guide your child to their personal best. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly
1: right. I think also one of the things that's very hard for parents is when your child is struggling, you do feel like your child's broken because the system's kind of telling them that they're they're not meeting a standard. They're in some way something feels like it's not working, but it's true. Your child is not broken.
0: We need all sorts of brains,
1: right? So your your child's brain works differently. Your child needs different things to thrive and and succeed. And part of coming to a center like ours is to figure out, well, how does your child get what they need in order to thrive and to show their strengths and to be their happiest and to be at their best? And that's kind of part of, you know, that's part of the, the journey of life, but it's also part of the journey of, of navigating childhood and our school system.
0: So Avon, even and I came together. Uh, We worked separately prior to now, uh, and we recently decided after a lot of conversations that we wanted to support families and kids in a different model, a different way with integrated services to embrace your child and wrap them around with our support that includes all different services a child may need over the course of their educational journey.
1: Yeah, so we created a center. So your family has a team. So that would include a center that has neuropsychological testing, educational testing, progress monitoring for uh, academics, school observations, and educational advocates. So allows us to follow you over time and see your child in their development. One of the things that we have to remember is that if, if a provider works with your child once, um, that's a snapshot in time. And children are constantly growing. If you've ever like woken up one morning and been like, oh my gosh, I think my child grew two two inches I last night every morning to me. <laughs> they look totally different today. My kid, my youngest kid is six three. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so part of it is recognizing that children are growing so fast and their knees are changing and and they are changing so much that having a team that is dynamically working with you and following you in the moment to say, are you, is your child getting what they need? Are their needs being met to help their development and have them reach their, helping them reach their personal best and growing? Is that adjusting to their needs? Because their needs are going to change too. So we have this sort of bouquet of
0: services to help you with this. And help us too yeah. collaborate together for your family. It's a model that is very unique where you can come to us and we're going to collaborate to figure out what your needs are. We will also work, go ahead, with outside providers, right, Evan?
1: Yeah. um, So sometimes what happens is someone's already had an excellent neuropsychological evaluation, so I don't need to evaluate them, but they do need an advocate or they need some ongoing progress monitoring or some some service or a school observation. We're we're happy to collaborate with other providers and build those professional relationships with they're excellent providers in this in the Massachusetts area so we're happy to, to work with them and build those relationships because we're we're just really trying to service children and, and help their development that's our goal yeah the other thing is that is there's a lot of flexibility in how the model can work because if your child's in a good spot his or her their services are working appropriately and they're spot where they're accessing well you may not need to see us for a while <laughs> That's what I say to parents.
0: Call me when you need me, and and sometimes it's a year, and then I'm like, oh yeah, come on in, let's talk. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. So so sometimes you
1: you're able to get a well-deserved break from seeing a bunch of providers. So the the service can be used flexibly when when things aren't going well and when you need more support. You need more information. Yep, and you need to get things working on track, and then, and then, if things are going well, it's not a service that
0: you need to use all the time. Oh, Aven, we could go on all day, but it's time for lunch, and I'm hungry. Listeners, please visit our website, kidscentered.net. That's kidscentered.net, and look out for our next podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Some of the upcoming podcasts are about language-based programming. IEPs and back to school because it's that time of year. And don't forget to
1: subscribe for our latest podcasting. It'll be a great way to learn more about all the ways your child's educational journey can be supported and a great way to meet the rest of the Kids Center educational team. educational team.